Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. We've made it to December and we've made it to the tail end of the NFL football season. And you guessed it, I am here with Shaka to talk about the things that happened this past weekend. Shaka, how you doing today, man? You ready to talk some football? Uh, absolutely, man. Let's just jump right into this because I'm going to attack this NFC playoff picture. I personally think it's a little bit more exciting than the AFC playoff picture. And of course, the focus of this entire NFC playoff run is my star team, the Eagles themselves. We're starting off with their loss to the Seahawks. So I'm just going to throw some thoughts out there before I start getting your input. This was, listen, it was bound to happen. The Eagles had to face a serious opponent. We talked about this last week. They faced a serious opponent and they got their asses beat. They had opportunities. I think they made some mistakes. I think they kind of got a little, a little gun shy with the moment. But I think Seattle is a more seasoned team. They're one of the titans of the NFC. And it's not easy to just go into Seattle and beat them. Because even when you, know, even when you play perfect, it's hard to beat them. And the Eagles, I think, went in and played pretty well, but made some key errors when it came to execution. Errors that you didn't see Seattle make. So I certainly want to rant about this game because it tells us a lot about this NFC playoff picture, but I want to get some thoughts from you on this, Shaka. Give me some of your reactions to this Seahawks-Eagles game. Well, certainly I think the biggest surprise of all the games we saw this weekend. Um, I have to say, man, look, the Seahawks, they just they just wanted it more. And I think, like you said, it was bound to happen. And right now the Seahawks, especially just the way Russell Wilson's been playing lately, I, I mean, it was bound to happen. And I think probably I'm going to have to say we have to put Russell Wilson in the MVP conversation. Okay. If the Seahawks can kind of take this thing, like, you know, it's some serious playoff depths. We have to give him some legitimate consideration just because the way he's been playing, especially with the way the defense is supposedly supposed to be, you know, down a bit Mm -hmm. because of injuries. And, and they've shown up big time against, uh, you know, these opponents that are like top, you know, a top offensive, top scoring offenses in the league. So uh, credit to the Seahawks for, for showing up for the moment. I really, uh, you know, I hear you on the Russell Wilson MVP discussion. I think what's also been coming out recently is all this discussion about how, you know, he's accounting for like 80% of all of the yardage for his entire team because he's throwing, it's running. Frightening. And he's everything. It's a frightening number. A frightening number, which, you know, totally goes to the MVP discussion. I still want to sort of anoint, you know, Tom Brady and Carson Wentz to that discussion because those are the guys that are sort of at the top of the heap and have been playing as breathtaking as possible. And, you know, it sounds, I can't really throw Case Keenum into that discussion, but I do think part of today's podcast is going to touch a little bit on the magic that the Vikings have put together because the Vikings are really, you know, I was talking with someone the other day, it was sort of like, well, it's the Vikings, you know, how, how scared can you really be of this no, team? No, you can't say that anymore. We're you, too far into the season. Too for that far into the talk. season. And, you know, you can't say anymore there's a backup quarterback and a backup running back because the Vikings have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are a dominant force on both sides of the ball, even without Sam Bradford and Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah, before I get too far into that rabbit hole, because that's going to be the next game we talk about, let's keep focusing on this Eagles-Seahawks game. Yes. Now, there were plenty of opportunities, I think, for the Eagles to – you know, to, to show that they are the best team in the NFC. You know, the, the the drive that ended with Carson Wentz fumbling the ball into the end zone and getting a touchback. I mean, let's be clear here. Oh, hang on a second. I, I lost Shaka. Hang on. I got I to gotta get him back. 
All right, so I'm back. Sorry, lost the lost Shaka there for a second, but we're back now. My point is that when Carson Wentz fumbled this ball into the end zone, there was a touchback. That was the end of a seven-minute drive that went all the way down the field, gobbled up half of the third quarter, and essentially ended in no points. And I'm not saying that's a freak play. I'm not saying that that is, you know, I'm discounting the Seahawks' defense for that particular play, but that's an execution thing that probably is going to happen less frequently than more frequently. That's a moment where... You know, the ball fumbles one way or the other. All of a sudden, the Eagles probably and most likely would have gotten points out of that possession. But you look back and you say, that's another moment where they didn't execute properly and they ended up being on the outside looking in with zero points. You also go back to the first quarter when, you know, there was a pass to Nelson Aguilar that could have been an open touchdown, but the pass rush was too quick. The the pass was off-timed. And then you go into a third down, just like there was a fourth down, I think, in the second half where... You know, Carson Wentz, the the pass rush showed up early and he ends up lobbing this pass over to, I think it was Kenyon Barner, and he probably would have had a touchdown, but he just doesn't catch it. So there were these key moments where, you know what, looking back, the Eagles have another opportunity, maybe they wouldn't make those mistakes, but that's what happens when you play a buzzsaw team like the Seahawks in Seattle, because you get Russell Wilson throwing pinpoint passes at all the right times And think about Russell Wilson's scrambling ability, okay? You picture how the Eagles' defensive line has been dominating all throughout the season. When Wilson scrambles, it extends the play. The Eagles have been playing opponents where they haven't really had a quarterback who's been able to extend the play, and they haven't really gotten into this situation where they need to kind of scramble a little bit and cover receivers as the play gets extended. And I think Russell Wilson was able to burn them a couple of times in a really dangerous way because of those plays. So I think the Seahawks played an amazing game. I mean, this was, I don't want to say that I was expecting the Eagles to lose, but this wasn't a surprise to me. This was a major challenge for the Eagles. And I mean, you can't deny the fact that the Seahawks have been at that stage before. They've been at those big play levels where the pressure is on and they need to score that fourth quarter touchdown. And the Eagles just haven't been tested like that yet. And I mean, I think this was one of their first real tests. And honestly, I, I feel pretty good with how they performed. And I also am optimistic that, you know what, if this is the shitty loss they're going to have, let's get it in right now and let's move on. I'll go with that. Um, I'll definitely say that Sheldon Richardson uh, strip and uh, safety was Probably the changing moment in the game itself. Yes. But um, you're absolutely right. They had a ton of opportunities to score. I think it was six, six or seven scoring drives where they actually made it, you know, across the, you know, half field mark and couldn't punch it in. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I still have to kind of give the Seahawks defense some credit for putting yeah. pressure. They, they made Carson Wentz throw the football 45 times. Yeah. You know, it's not something you really, I mean, while granted he has the capability, I think he threw 40 or 50 pass attempts last season as well. But, I mean, that team last year is completely different from the Eagles team we got on the field this year. So if Carson Wentz has to throw the football that many times, it's kind of indicative of, you know, the offense flailing a little bit and got his wheels stuck in the mud. I completely Um, agree. But, I I mean, look, it's amazing. Again, Russell Wilson, the the scramble out of the pocket and a deep throw to Doug Baldwin is is pretty much bread and butter. You know, it's like Stockton and Malone pick and roll. It's... It's what they do fundamentally. Yeah. And, it's and one of those things, I mean, you can game plan for it, but 
when a play breaks down on the field, it's it's one of those things that's just great about football is that you can game plan, you can prep, but when it actually comes to the moment, you know, God only knows what's going to happen. Yeah, and the Eagles got beat by it. You know, like I would want to say that there's a little bit of a nuance or a practice that you can get, that you can prepare your team for for moments like that, but I mean, I don't know if there is, and the Eagles did get hurt by it. And I got to also talk about the coaching because the Seahawks coached a hell of a game. I think they play called it well. The defense, for everything we've talked about, you just said it. Sherman is out, Cam Chancellor's out, but damn it, there's some pretty damn good defensive players on that Seahawks team in addition to those guys. And to go back to the coaching for one more moment, this Eagles team has been dangerous all year offensively, and they've really put the pressure on defenses when it comes to fourth down. Now, in this game, there was probably two instances in the first half where it was fourth and short, and the Eagles didn't go for it. It was very unlike them. It was sort of like, all right, we're going to be conservative. Let's punt the ball. This is going to be a long game. But then you get to the the second half where they're in fourth and third and fourth and six, and they're starting to feel the pressure of being down, and that's when they go for it. Like That's a moment where it's like, okay, in the first half, you weren't playing your type of football, but in the second half, you are playing your type of football. That was a moment where it's just like, you know what? Bill Pelichek isn't going to coach his team like that. He's going to come in and just be ready. You know, so I thought I thought the Eagles got punked a little. I thought they came in and they got beat by a better team. I don't think that doesn't mean they can't go all the way and they can't beat that team, you know, in the playoffs. But, listen, to me it was eye-opening. I see your point um, when you when you mentioned it like that. When you put it like that, I have to kind of agree with you. I think part of it, though, is that I think the coaching staff for the uh, the Eagles was giving the Seahawks their due credit. I mean, this is a defense that prides itself on putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks and forcing them to make mistakes. So I think the Eagles were, you know, giving them the respect they thought they afforded. And it probably, you know what, it probably moving forward can put a little bit more confidence. Hey, you know what, we game plan for this. We game plan for third downs and yeah. fourth down situations. We have plays for this. You know, it doesn't matter who we're playing. If we execute, it should go off, you know, as planned. So yeah. I think that probably maybe they psyched themselves out a little bit. And by the time the second half came around and they're like, you know what, fuck this, we're, we're going in. Might have been a little bit too late to get that momentum back on their side. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. This was uh, – the, the last thing I will say is my brother Dan Rosenberg went to the Sixers game last night in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I don't want to specifically quote who said this, but let's just say – Dan found himself in a situation where he was chumming it up with a former Philadelphia Eagles player of very notable, you know, uh, uh, reputation, so to speak. And he, you know, he said, hey, listen, you know, what, what, what do you think of this Eagles team? And he said, listen, I, you know, I think they got beat by a better team. And he said, really? And he's like, well, what do you think about them next week against the Rams? He's like, I don't know if they're going to win, you know, which was to me a little revealing because. I think we're looking at a little bit of the Eagles as a paper tiger because I keep going back to their record. I keep going back to their victories. And I keep saying to myself, who the hell have they really beat? And I can't deny the fact that they really haven't beat anyone of real substance. And that's just the thing that scares me as we go deeper and deeper into this season. Well, we'll just call that a gut check then. I, I think I think the Rams are probably going to be, in terms of a, a, a matchup, uh, showcase. I, I think this is good for both teams to kind of look at because I, you know, that Rams offense, as high powered as it is, sometimes they get you know flailing a little bit. But I, I'm, I'm very. It's a very fascinating because I really don't have a prediction as to how this is going to go. I think you're probably leaning a little bit more as the Eagles are going to really get tested. But I think it's a test for both of these teams, really, because I mean the Eagles 
Look, I like them. I think they're really good. I think they have a lot of variable weapons, and it's still the first year of a lot of them playing together. Yeah. Just like it is on the other side of the football with the Rams. So I, I think a lot of things are still going to have to be worked out before the season's said and done. Okay. I, dude, I totally agree with that. I, as, even though this guy said he didn't think they'd beat the Rams, I still think the Eagles can beat this Rams team. The Seahawks, that's, that was one thing. But the Rams, I think the Eagles got what it takes to slow them down. Very curious to see who this person was. <laughs> we, we could talk about that off the air. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's go into the next game I wanted to discuss, Vikings beating the Falcons. Because this was very eye-opening. Well, it wasn't super eye-opening to me, but I, after discussing the fact that the Eagles are kind of the team that hasn't really beaten anyone of substance, the Vikings are a team that just keeps rolling along and beating yeah. legitimate teams. This is a team that just beat the Falcons. Okay, last week they beat the Rams. Like, this is a team that I believe earlier in the season, I think I think the Sam Bradford week one game, they beat the Saints. They beat the Ravens as well. Like, they, they're a team that's now 10-2. and two. They're now tied with the Eagles. They now have the tiebreaker, and I believe they're the number one seed. They're doing all of this shit with Case Keenum and Latavius Murray and, and Jarek McKinnon. And, you know, for me, it's coming back to this defense. This Vikings, it's like defense wins championships. Like, this defense is the thing that keeps making me pick them week after week against these powerhouse offenses, okay? I picked the Vikings to beat the Rams and the Falcons because I'm sitting here going, can these guys honestly defeat this defense? Because right now, I'm seeing the Vikings and the Ravens as having the best defenses in the league. And that's going to equate to wins. It's going to equate to playoff depth. It's going to equate to Super Bowl berths. And Mike Zimmer knows what he's doing. And he puts his team in a position to win. And I like what Pat Shermer's doing on the offensive side of the ball. So it was pretty shocking to me. I figured they'd slow down Atlanta to see them, I mean, pretty much hold Atlanta to field goals, shut down Julio Jones, and make this, you know, explosive offense of theirs really kind of do nothing. I mean, now I'm starting to sit here saying, okay, this is the team you need to be scared of. And can the Eagles even beat the Vikings? So... Give me some thoughts about this Vikings-Falcons game. What, what did you take away from it? Look, I, I still have to say I find it amazing that we're this far in the season and the Vikings still kind of put people to sleep yeah. in terms of watching a game. Mm-hmm. But who who cares? They're winning games and they they look dominant. That's the other most important thing. It's not necessarily – it's not like when Brett Favre and Sidney Rice were playing for the Vikings, you know, <laughs> throwing deep. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a pretty throwback reference there. But, I mean, that offense was exciting. It was something to look at. It's people took notice. But, look, you got Jarek McKinnon and you got Latavius Murray as your one and two running back punch. Not very exciting. They're not making the Pro Bowl. You know, you got uh, Adam Thielen, not very exciting. But it, they have a lot of guys with sure hands. They don't turn the football over. Case Keenum really turns the football over. Um, and he doesn't have to do a whole lot with the football in terms of offense to really to make this team go. The defense does pretty much all of the heavy lifting. They just have to kind of get on the field, mm-hmm. run the clock down, score a touchdown or two to kind of actually pad a lead, and that's it. That's all you really need to do in football, and that's why the Vikings right now are creeping up on everyone and just putting them in a sleep roll. It's amazing. I I really think, you know, I was hearing somebody talk about this today regarding – you know, Case Keenum, I think, is kind of one of the biggest knocks that the Vikings have. You know, it's, well, the Case Keenum. Well, Case, you know, we're sort not of anymore. waiting. Yeah, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but not anymore. Like, now I'm starting to sit here and say, you know, maybe he should get a starting quarterback job after this season. You know, maybe a team should go and take a, you know, take a flyer on him and see if he can be a real starter for them because, I mean, it is not a fluke what he's doing right now. 
Isn't I'm, it crazy that the Vikings have three quarterbacks who are all going to be free agents when the season's over? Oh, my God. And they have to give him a look. They have to give Case Keaton a serious look with the body of work. He's First off, right you got to let Bradford walk out the fucking door. I hope to God they don't bring him back. I'm not saying he's a dog shit, but the guy can't stay healthy, and he's, you know, his ceiling is meh at best. Yeah, really. So That's I true. think you got to go into next season. you got to re-sign Bridgewater. You're going to get a discount on that deal, considering the fact he's missed two seasons of injury. And I think you give a little bit of a bump of pay to, to Case Keenum and just roll with both of them. I don't think that's a terrible idea. I, I, I just, again, I look at the body of work. He Granted, he's not, you know, I wouldn't say even Pro Bowl. He's not a Pro Bowl type quarterback, but he's he's competent. I mean, yeah. in the NFL, when you really think about the the amount of elite quarterbacks there are, there are many. There's not. No. In any given season, there are not a lot of elite quarterbacks. And just I, to find a quarterback who can run an offense is a miracle. You should get down on your knees and thank God. I mean, listen, I, I say I say it's a good idea to bring back Bridgewater and Keenum because I sit here and I think about what the Eagles did when they signed, like, three quarterbacks. I mean, they they signed Sam Bradford. They drafted Carson Wentz. You know, like, in a, in a game where the quarterback position makes or breaks your entire season, you know, if you've even got one semblance of a version of a competent starting quarterback, you hang on to him for dear life until you yeah. absolutely positively know that he's going that he no longer has value for you. Because if he's not starting on your team, he's a trade chip. Just ask the Patriots and Jimmy Garoppolo. It's truth. Can we talk about uh, this Atlanta Falcons team? Yeah. Just because uh, I said it before, I said that their schedule is not pretty to close out the season. They're going to run into a lot of teams that are really going to you know, asking the question, are you guys for real? Are you guys really, you know, really trying to go back to a Super Bowl? And look, Julio Jones shut down, absolutely shut down. Probably the most physically gifted wide receiver in football mm-hmm. is, you know, just he's a ghost on the field. And Matt Ryan's numbers just kind of show it. And when, when Julio Jones does not come out and play his best game, and I, I know that defense is good, the, the the Falcons look like a completely lost team on offense. They yeah. couldn't do anything. They were absolutely just shook out there. And again, we're talking about one week they look like, hey, you know, maybe they look like they're kind of shaking off. Some this was a team woes. that beat the Seahawks. Yeah, they, they're shaking off the woes. And then another week, it's just what happened? Where where did you guys go? They they really really really, I mean, I I have no faith in them. Yeah. Kind of taking this thing to any kind of legitimate playoff hopes. And the inconsistency, it's you can't argue with it anymore. This is not something, you know, I think this has a big part to do with losing Kyle Shanahan. I don't think Agreed. I know that we've we've seen some of this explosive, innovative play calling the last couple of weeks, but it just the inconsistency is too much. It's not something they're able to replicate on a week to week basis. And are you ready for the ending the the rest of their schedule? Yeah, I, I know it's ugly. I just don't remember the exact teams. But. Saints, Buccaneers, Saints, Panthers. They got to tangle with that oh, NFC oh, South oh, all oh, over oh, again. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. you, you think they're going to beat the Saints twice before the season's mm-hmm. over? Good luck. Yeah, I, I think the Falcons are going to be in the outside <clears> looking in. It's just a shame because so much promise last year. I do think they have a pretty good defense. I don't think it's the greatest, but I think it's good. And it's possible. Those skill position players are amazing on offense, so... It's just, I feel like they're doing them a disservice with having some of the play calling the way it is. It's just been disappointing. I didn't think that the loss of Shanahan would be this kind of jarring. I knew they'd have some ups and downs, but I thought this would be kind of wrinkled out at the beginning of the season. I, I, thought, I thought so as well. I thought the skill position players would shine through some of the coaching and the play calling, but I think you and I are both seeing that's not the case right now. 
Let's move to the next game. We're going to, speaking of NFC South, the next game was the Saints beating the Panthers 31-21. So these are two playoff teams. There's a very good chance the Panthers are, are going to be making this playoff run. And the Saints, I think, are, you know, Kamara, Kamara, however the hell you say his name, he, I mean, he's a godsend. He has, he has made all of the difference for this Saints team. He's made all the difference for this, this season of theirs. You know, I think that there's lots of positives you can take away from the defense. But, you know, I don't think Marshawn Lattimore played in this game. I, uh, I believe, you know, they're still dealing with offensive line issues as well. But Kamara, I mean, Kamara and Ingram, you know, I heard some pundits talking about how they thought this game was, you know, Panthers have a pretty solid run defense. They thought they were going to be able to slow down the one-two punch a little bit and maybe have to have Drew Brees throw the ball. Not the case. Drew Brees threw the ball a little bit, but Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram ran all over these motherfuckers. And listen, the Panthers had a couple of decent drives, but not enough to hang 10 with this Saints team. Shaka, give me some thoughts on what you think about this. Actually, the Saints and the Panthers, because I think both of them are heading to the playoffs. What do you take away from this game? Well, look, it's something I said earlier in the the podcast. Uh, the Saints aren't giving you any new looks. They're not bringing anything new to the table. You know already from their body of work this season, when they come in, they're going to run it down your throat. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to deal with Kamara. You're going to have to deal with Ingram interchangeably in any game. You know, um, We've seen games where Ingram's gone off for three touchdowns and big runs. Kamara's done the same thing effortless, excuse me, effortlessly. And I don't think the, I don't think the Panthers – should have been surprised that that's what the strategy was coming into this game. And like we said, their run defense was supposed to be good. I don't exactly know what happened because Kamara was shedding everybody like, you know, raindrops. Oh, my God. Breaking tackles left and right. So, I I mean, none of this should have been a surprise. If anything, they probably should have practiced their their two-hand wrap-up tackles a little bit better. But, you know, I don't know. The Panthers, I I like the Panthers. I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but you gotta, you got to handle a team like this. You know where you got them on paper. And on the other side of football, goddamn, the Saints look really, really good. They look I mean, really good right now. I really would like to see them go up against another team that really, you know, one of our top teams in every division type of matchups. But everybody who they're supposed to handle, if they're going to be a playoff team or, like, you know, uh, a division title team, they're whipping them. They're, I mean, they're just putting putting the screws to everybody. So I, I – I, I gotta give I gotta give him credit. Hats off to him. I'm you yeah. see. I keep looking at a lot of these. I'm talking about these games because I'm seeing the Vikings and the Saints, the Rams. These are all the teams I think the Eagles are gonna have to tangle with. So uh, there's a part of me that's sort of secretly deep down, just sort of like, how is this gonna work out? Like, can the Eagles beat this Saints team? Can the Eagles right. beat this Vikings team? And you know, those are the teams that we're not, that the Eagles aren't gonna see this season. That's just gonna be like, will it happen in the playoffs? And I mean, the Saints are running all over the place. And, you know, I don't exactly know the, the prognosis of Marshawn Lattimore, but, I mean, how long is it going to be before he comes back? If he comes back in time sure. for the playoffs, I mean, that defense just gets a boost. It's amazing that a rookie has well, – a couple of rookies. Dude. A couple of rookies have factored in so much in such a big turnaround. I mean, I'm sure – and people are going to look to this Saints team as an example in the offseason when it comes time to draft players. You know about how powerful hitting on a draft pick can change yeah, an entire filling, season. Filling the gaps that you need. I mean, Ingram's a great running back, but I don't think the Saints have thought of him as as a workhorse back that yeah. can give you twenty five to thirty carries. So what do you do? 
you get another guy in that same mold and you just alternate them yeah him and, and you run it down the throat and in the world of today's salary cap where they're paying an arm and a leg to drew Brees, hitting on a rookie to. who's making no money but rookie scale money right now and having them be such a powerful impact on your entire team I mean, all of a sudden, it just makes the draft that much more valuable. And we're just talking about Lattimore and Kamara. We're not even talking about Ryan Ramchek, who's been holding up the right You're side right. of their offensive line. You're right. I mean, the, this whole team all around, across the board, this has been fantastic. Bree, I'm sure Breeze is probably like counting how many more years he can play if they can keep this core together. Dude, this is probably the only way it could have worked because they've been so terribly managed on the cap side, I mean, yeah. for years it almost feels like they stepped in shit by just drafting <laughs> these great players and all of a sudden having a fantastic team with a bunch of guys they're paying dog shit to. That's uh, a problem for another year, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we could talk about that in three years when we don't have enough money to pay everybody with. <laughs> uh, here, real quick, I'm going to give you a little uh, scenario about the um, the Saint, about the Panthers that I listened to. I'm going to... I'm gonna, Give some credit to the Ringer NFL show. Kevin Clark brought this up. I was listening to it today. He said, "He said, listen, he said the Carolina Panthers play the Minnesota Vikings next week. This, that's the game coming up. He said they're probably going to lose that game. Then he said in two weeks they play the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is starting to practice. Is he actually going to be back in time? I've heard rumors he There's, might be back in time. But. They're saying he might be back in time. This week, the Packers play the Cleveland Browns. Next week, they play the Panthers. And that is when Aaron Rodgers is supposed to come back. There's a very real chance the Green Bay Packers might actually be pushing around the Carolina Panthers for the last wildcard spot. I can't fucking believe that. I mean, if you talk about uh, a storyline that has barely gotten any traction and has not been talked about might be the only thing we're talking about in a couple of weeks. Dude, Aaron Rodgers magic all over again? I, I, you know what? It was only his collarbone, right? It was only, it was his, only his collarbone. <laughs> I, think the, I think he can do it. Dude, never, ever, ever count out Aaron Rodgers. If he comes back and does this, holy shit. Man, they better take that uh, offensive line out and pep talk the shit out of him. <laughs> Before that first game back. So anybody touches this guy, you're fucking dead. Not even, the pocket shouldn't even, like, have a hint of a collapse. There should not be sunlight coming through somebody's armpit. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to move to our last game because this is the final moment where I'm actually going to shift to the AFC. And we're going to talk about your Jets putting a whooping on the Kansas City Chiefs. Or maybe not a whooping, but definitely coming away with the win. And, okay, I'm going to say it, I didn't pick the Jets to win this game, but I did float did out I. there. I did float out there that this was a game that I think they could win, and I was definitely like, the Chiefs better be ready because this could get ugly for them. Uh, listen, I number one, I wanted to... I, I'm not trying to shit on the Chiefs, but I did want to shit on them because they've turned into this year's Minnesota Vikings. They started out 5-0, and no, and now they're completely falling apart. And, you know... There's just so much stuff to pick apart with this game. And I also wanted an opportunity to praise your Jets because I think they played fantastic. So Todd Bowles might actually have a job next year. Dude, God bless him, man. And you know what? Considering the roster he was given this year, he deserves to stick around for another year, man. They didn't give him much to work with. Um, That's unbelievable. The things I'm going to – listen, I'm just going to tee you up, Shaka, so you can, you know, give us some praise with this Jets team. They They played big. They came up in the fourth quarter. 
Josh McCown looked good. They, you know, Jermaine Curse and Robbie Anderson are just getting open left and right and making huge plays. And lastly, before I before I set you up, Darrell Revis looked like he was playing for the Jets and not for the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, well, he didn't play in the second half. So, uh, I mean, for, for good reason. Holy it shit! It looks like they just took they took the Jets season and kind of stretched it down to two halves, which oh. is two quarters. So. Shaka. Talk to me. Tell me. Look, give me some thoughts on this game. Tell me how you were feeling. First off, Andy Reid was relinquished his um, offensive play calling abilities before this game started. Yeah, for good reason. So we will say the positives for the Chiefs are the offense actually looks it looks vibrant. They put they put fourteen points up in yeah. the Jets like before you could even dude, blink. Dude, real fast. I mean, those were nice plays. Great routes run. Good passes. I mean, that was that was nice execution. So I mean, look, we got some positives. We can talk about like you know what? Uh, this is the Chiefs team that we saw at the beginning of the season. And we're like, man, the buzz saw is still going from last year. Um, look, the Jets can put points on the board. I, I have to, as much as I kind of like to to say what was me and what was my team. You know, our, our our starting quarterbacks almost got three thousand yards and twenty touchdowns on the season, which yeah. is, I mean, for a Jets quarterback, that, that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. Guy, I wasn't expecting that at all. I was I was like, it would be amazing if he had twenty touchdowns in a season. Period. So you know, <laughs> Robbie Anderson is looking like a Pro Bowler, dude. That's he's a find. He's officially a find. I mean, he's he, he's gonna hit a thousand yards receiving this year. Jermaine Curse. Looks like he's chasing them. I don't think he's going to make it, but I mean, just amazing what this ragtag bunch of, uh, you know, I call them the rejects, has been able to put together this season. Um, now, on the other side, the Jets shouldn't have won that game. Yes. The, the Chiefs the Chiefs gave that to them several friggin' times. Yes. Which is bad. I mean, because Tyreek Hill, I mean, he got behind the defense several times. I mean, the guy's a bullet. They really had no answer for him. The safeties, clueless out there. My poor rookie safeties had no idea what was going on. Um, and then ultimately, this thing came down to penalties. Yeah. Penalties on the Chiefs' defensive side. Yeah, lots of them. A lot of, of, them. Off, a lot I of mean, defensive holding. We can't get through this without talking about Marcus Peters throwing the fucking flag into the stands. Oh, my God. Just why? Letting your emotions get a hold of you in such a close game. Frustration. And like I said, it wasn't like... The Jets had their number. This was an actual kind of, this was like getting down and, you know, in the dumps fight. There was a fist fight out there. And the Chiefs just ended up losing their cool. And that's really what it, it gave the Jets a lot of second opportunities yeah. to, to, to score. And the Jets took advantage of it, which is something I hardly ever say. <laughs> you know? So I, 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 can't, I can't believe Kansas City has lost so many games. I, I think and that might be part of the factor and the frustration with Peters. Losing is cool. It's just I, I think they were just kind of tired of having to to scrap for these losses, and lo and behold, they got another one on their belt. I ask you again: Does this Chiefs team miss the playoffs? Because <sighs> right now it's starting to feel like they can't recover. I'm having a brain fart. I felt like I was looking at what was next on their schedule right before you and I got on the phone and That's i cannot a, remember now i will pull it up for you so we can talk about it in real time we think we've got technology here man i could sew I'm it up leaning no though I, I can't remember why i feel that way they uh they got the raiders at home they got the okay. chargers at home they've got the dolphins at home and then they finish the season on the road against the broncos 
man, look, if they can't beat any of these teams, or not all of them, they should beat all of these teams. They all should. Of them. They should. I mean, only the Chargers probably. The Chargers look like they refuse to die. Yes. But And other than these other teams, the Broncos got whomped by the Dolphins. Oh, my God, dude. It's just a mess. It's just Somebody send them home, man. The Broncos, stick a fork in them. They're done. If the Chiefs don't beat all these teams, Alex Smith is done as a starting quarterback, I think. I think they're just going to start over with uh, Pat Mahomes. Wow. There's year. a hot take so. for you out there. Shaka's calling it. I think it. so. They, if the uh, if the if the Chiefs shit the rest of the shit the bed for the rest of the schedule, Alex Smith is not going to be starting next year. I know they got some problems on defense with injuries, but that just I mean, you know, somebody's head is going to roll. This makes me think of like Week One when they beat the living shit out of the Patriots and Eric Berry went down. There was this feeling of like, oh my God, their defense is so good, but is it ever are we ever really okay. going to see yeah. that again? Because Barry's done and the defense has just slowly deteriorated. What a hole, man. I mean, the ship is you didn't think the ship was going to sink from that, but Jesus. I think I think the ship did sink from that. My god. It's amazing. Um again, I mean, my Jets, I have no idea what's going to happen now. I'm happy we're winning games, but at the same time like, oh my god, we're winning games. Like yeah. what? What what does this mean for next season when essentially much of the year was kind of primed for looking at next season? I mean, how do you then deal with your quarterback situation? I mean, listen, the the positive is you're seeing that some of these defensive players they drafted are good. You're seeing Robbie Anderson's a legitimate receiver. I think Jermaine Curse is better than they thought he would be. And Austin Safarian, like if anything, the biggest question mark is probably the quarterback. Okay, so that part, I mean... I like Mel Kuyper Jr., but his big board, I ain't got any faith in it. I, I really, yeah, I'm really I, nervous about these, uh, these, these quarterbacks here. They're yeah. hyping Rosen. Darnold. Um, I'm not sold Darnold on any was, of these guys. Supposedly, Darnold might be sticking around. And yeah, I, I heard he's going to stay in college. Which is probably a good idea because he doesn't look, I mean, he doesn't look appealing to me at all. I don't like the quarterback class coming out. Yeah. Granted, depending now on where the Jets end up drafting at, I honestly think they should really consider going after a running back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you just say that the Jets should, shine, should sign Case Keenum next year? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's whoa. also, you know what? That's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I actually think that would be a great idea. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm pulling that out of my ass, but it's I not too ridiculous. I Kirk Cousins, but that's just so much friggin' money. Yeah, it's someone so, else is going to throw that money at Kirk Cousins. I don't think the I Jets don't think will. Kirk Cousins is going to be terrible, but I mean... If anything, he's probably got a better, a more than likely chance to succeed. I think he's actually a really good quarterback. Yeah. Um, but I really just don't think the money makes sense. He's not the savior. I don't think that the Jets need. I think they need really just kind of rebuild thing. I think they need to go. And incidentally enough, it almost sounds like I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints. I'm not. <laughs> but they need to go for a, a new running back. And I think they need to beef up the secondary just a little bit because. Yeah. Um. Jamal Adams is gonna he's gonna flush out. He's gonna be a pro bowler one day. Uh, May's gonna be pretty good, but I still think they need kind of a ball hawk secondary. Mm-hmm. They need they need a, another cornerback. You mean like Darrell Revis back. from ten years ago? Yeah, right. Pretty much, and which is why I I I hoped Marshawn Lattimore would have been the pick. But all things considered, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You can't beat yourself up over that. Exactly. Um, all right. Uh, you know, actually one last thing I'm going to ask you before we get out of here. And it's a little bit of, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Steelers Bengals game last night with all the hits. Um, I don't know if I need to focus too much on 
the Antonio Brown hit or the perfect hit. I mean, those were aggressive. They were ugly. I, I think it's it's starting to get a feel like those games are going to be dangerous. Like these Bengals Steelers rivalries are yeah. so ugly that these Why guys is are surprised though. They have so much bad blood from like there's the last so much years. bad blood, and I just it, it, some of those hits were rough to see. But I kind of want to talk about the Shazier hit because that one, yeah, that was not a vicious hit. That was that was incidental. That's that, that's a football. That's a football hit. That all of a sudden reminds everybody that you that we are watching one of the most violent and incomprehensibly unsafe sports that has ever been created by man. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you say that. I think that ultimately kind of darkened the rest of the the um the sports cast, yeah, sports casting for the, the night. And I think I don't want to say, and again, I don't want to say people are overreacting or um analysts were overreacting, but I really I'm I'm kind of surprised at how like outraged they were at the 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 hits mm-hmm. after the fact i mean this is this always happens between these two teams yeah Vontae's Vontae's has like a, there's a wanted poster of him i'm sure up in the steelers locker room he's <laughs> he's notorious yeah so i'm sure no one and actually I'm, I'm 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 in fact positive that antonio brown said something along the lines of karma yeah yeah he did this is karma he did uh you know for what happened to him no one's surprised this is like not this is not a new thing. I think it's just the fact that these hits now, in light of what happened right before that to Ryan Shazer, yeah, it kind of like makes everyone go, "All right, guys, you just saw what happened to one guy, and you're still kind of knocking heads." Yeah, yeah. it's football. This is what happens when yeah. you have two teams who don't like each other. I, I just it was it was uns it was and you know you you nailed it you hit the nail right on the head. It's crazy to think that they could still get just as nasty and aggressive. After Shays, because I don't think the Shays, nothing about the Shazier hit was dirty no. and vicious. I that mean, was just, just the way he, he was trying to make a tackle. Yeah, he was trying to make a tackle, and and it, like I think it was perfectly the wrong court, the wrong angle, the wrong coordination. It was it was sort of like you. It, it kind of reminds me of like the Gordon Hayward thing in the first game of the season, with he just kind of came down on his ankle the wrong way. Like yeah, it was kind of a freak ballet. accident. This thing, yeah, this isn't synchronized. It's not ballet. I mean, it happens sometimes. One guy's going up, one guy's going down, and they make. Helmet to helmet contact. Yeah. And I think that one last thing I'm going to mention, which is uh, before we get off this and finish the show, is if you look up Ryan Shazier, if you read those articles, it's hard to determine exactly what his injury was. I think there. Oh, oh I, I don't know. I've heard I, like he has some injury. type of a spinal cord back injury. But if you read the articles, they don't go there they don't i think mention no one it. knows i think either people don't know or they're afraid to insinuate mm-hmm. that there's like maybe paralysis i really yeah. honestly i'm not gonna lie that all i saw that was definitive was that it was a back injury but yeah. i remember noting how they said he could not move anything in his lower body like his legs anything didn't move at all and it's happened before where players have had a hit like that and they've mm-hmm. been okay but it's also happened where like i remember as a player i think in like the University of Buffalo. Are you talking about you know? the Buffalo Bills kickoff returner when he got hit and they had to like cart him off? Oh my the God. I think that was, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah. yeah. And he, it never, was, he, he never played again. He I never he played again. Back. And I specifically remember hearing about how the EMTs had to put ice packs on his spine to reduce the swelling within the first oh couple of minutes God. of the injury or else he wouldn't have walked again. I can't, I, I didn't remember, I forgot. You know what? You're right. It was, I remember because after that, he came back like at a halftime, like kind of dedication. Yeah. But, you know, he never he played was, again. Yeah, he was. I think he was wearing a jersey, but I mean, he was pretty much like. I don't think he was even in the wheelchair. I think they had him kind of stood up, like he was propped up in something. But it was just. 
Ugh. Like, I just remember cringing. Like, it was just, God, like, on a kickoff return. Ugh, just... Yeah, well, hey, they changed the rules for the kickoff returns, but in a way, yeah, you're still never going to be able to kind of fix the rules to correct the game. Yeah, and that was one of the one things I remember in high school. I was one of the gunners, and I remember one of the, the, the things I remember loving about it was coming down the field as fast as humanly possible yeah. to hit someone. And you just really think about, oh, my God, what if you hit someone the wrong way and just, you know, like you're going that fast. You're literally just a bullet with a little shitty helmet on. Shaka, stories like that, it's part of the reason I want you on this show, man. You're able to give us the real deal. Hey, that's what I'm here for. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. Sorry to leave you on a sour note, but it is football, and uh, it's not a safe sport, and part of it means we have to bring this stuff up and talk about it. So thanks for sitting through this with us. Thanks for uh, taking in our thoughts on it. We're going to get the hell out of here, and we'll be back next week. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. And, of course, you can always contact us with mailbag questions at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Enjoy this weekend slate of games. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk about the highlights and, of course, this playoff picture. Shaka, get us out of here, man. Todd Bowles has earned one more year. And if he doesn't get it, I'm going to be royally pissed off. <laughs> Looking at you, Jets management. Get your shit together. You heard it here first, guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the games, guys.